911. What's your emergency? Uh, I want to report a missing person, my little girl who's six years old. I believe she was abducted from our house. I remember briefly waking up and hearing male voices outside my bedroom window. To the person or persons who have Isabel, tell us your demands. Tell us what you want. We have every hope that we will find Isabel alive and bring her back home to her family. So many outlandish questions, so many theories, so many things of, uh, that, that are just kind of getting out of hand, so to speak, in those terms. Uh, I think it is beneficial, in part, for the family to step out and perhaps clear up some of those questions. We don't want the focus to be taken off Isabel. Somebody out there someplace has information about this case, and it's that key piece of information that we're missing. You're listening to a KOLD News 13 original podcast. I'm Bud Foster. And I'm Shaylee Sanders. This is Disappeared in the Desert. Tucson, Arizona, located in the southeastern part of the 48th state, the vast city has more than a million people in its metro area. Advertises having 350 days of sunshine and surrounded by mountain ranges, it's common to see people walking, cycling, and hiking outdoors at all times of the year. This city is known for having the best 23 miles of Mexican food in the country, but is the first American city selected as a United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization City of Gastronomy, you can find local restaurants serving a range of cuisines. While the greater metro area stretches more than 250 square miles, it feels very much like a small town. The community is always looking out for one another and knows how to come together in a time of need. I'm Shaylee Sanders. I'm an investigative reporter and anchor at KLD News 13. My investigations include Texas's suitcase killer, the murder of two women whose bodies were found stuffed inside suitcases in a landfill. You may have seen my reporting featured on Oxygen's true crime series, One Deadly Mistake. Most recently, my investigations have included conditions at Arizona prisons and new laws that impact local law enforcement agencies. I'm Bud Foster. I've worked in Tucson as an anchor and reporter since 1980. From government to infrastructure to crime, I've covered a lot of stories over the years, including the one we're about to share with you. Let's go back to April 21st, 2012, a Saturday morning, seeing earlier than usual high temperatures, as many are just kicking off their weekend with a morning workout, maybe tackling errands, or breakfast around the television. The Sellers family is waking up to a nightmare. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, I want to report a missing person, my little girl who's six years old. I believe she was abducted from our house. That's the voice of Sergio Sellas, reporting the disappearance of his daughter, Isabel. It's 8.13 in the morning. Sergio told the 911 dispatcher that she was not in her bed when they woke up this morning. Why do you think she was abducted? I have no idea. We woke up this morning. I went to go get her up for her baseball game, and she's gone. I woke up my, my sons. I, we looked everywhere in the house, and my oldest son noticed that her window was wide open and the screen was laying in the backyard. We've looked all around the house. As officers are dispatched to the east side home, the dispatcher asks about who Sergio thinks would take his little girl. Has she ever tried to sneak out of a window or anything? Oh, no. Have you guys been having any weird phone calls, anything like that, somebody hanging around? No. 
We got home late from uh, my son's baseball game, mm-hmm. you know, about 10.30 last night. <clears throat> Everyone took their showers, and they all went to bed. I even was in the living room watching uh, the Diamondbacks game at midnight, mm-hmm. and I fell asleep, and I never heard anything weird. So I was, like, just on the other side of the wall from her. While Sergio remained on the phone with the 911 dispatchers, they received a second call, this time from his oldest son. In that call, he told dispatchers, the screen of his sister's window is off and told police someone is giving a ride back home after he went out searching for Isabel. Several minutes later, Sergio's wife, Rebecca, arrives home from work. She ends up taking the phone from her son to talk to the dispatchers. She says Isabel had her hair in braided pigtails and made them last night before she went to bed. Isabel was last seen wearing an old Navy shirt, with an American flag and navy shorts. So who, who noticed her gone? Your husband? My husband. I went to work this morning at seven, and um, I just and I didn't even come and check on her. I said, "Don't come and check on her." Okay. All right. Just take a deep breath. Okay. I know Seven minutes after the original call to police, officers arrived on the scene and started their investigation. Isabel Mercedes Sellis is just under four feet, 44 pounds, with brown hair and hazel eyes. Her front two teeth are missing. She's a first grader, only speaks English, but understands Spanish. Isabel loves playing baseball with her dad and her two brothers. The couple says she does not have a history of running away. This is what Sergio and Rebecca told officers about the moments leading up to Isabel's disappearance. The night before, Friday, April 20th, The family attended one of the son's Little League games at Freedom Park, which is two and a half miles from their home. Sergio told investigators they got back home late. They did not notice any suspicious activity at the park or anyone following them home. Rebecca says after Isabel showered, she braided her hair the way she wore it playing baseball so she wouldn't have to do it in the morning before going to work. Then she tucked Isa into bed around 10.30 p.m., Sergio says he went into her room to kiss her goodnight and dim the light. When asked by officers, he says the window was closed at the time. Rebecca also headed to bed. While the boys played video games in their room and Sergio stayed up in the living room to watch a pre-recorded Diamondbacks game falling asleep on the couch. Fast forward to 5 a.m. Sergio says he woke up on the couch and walked into his bedroom. Rebecca woke up as he was getting into bed and asked if he was just getting in. He said yes, that he had fallen asleep on the couch. One police document says Rebecca told officers she left for work at 7.30 a.m., but another says it was more like 6.47 a.m. Sergio, meanwhile, says he woke up around 7.13, but stayed in bed until just before 8 a.m. That's when he noticed Isabel missing from her bed. He says he then checked his son's bedroom to see if she was there and she was not. He then told the boys, Sergio Jr. and Julian, that Isabel was not in the house and discovered the bedroom window was open, the screen was off, and damaged. Sergio called Rebecca at 8.05 to tell her he can't find Isa. Less than 10 minutes later, the police were called. The Sellers home is located in Midtown Tucson, just one story. A tall wall wraps around the front yard of the home from the garage all the way to the back of the house. Isabel's room is located on the back side. Sitting on the corner, there's a side street next to the home, another divider wall, then the back of a strip mall. 
less than a mile down the road, is also a busy mall. Several extended family members arrived at the house to help search for Isabel and comfort the family, including Rebecca's brothers. The girlfriend of Rebecca's brother, Robert, started to clean the kitchen, washing and putting away some dishes before the family was removed from the house for the investigation. Where do investigators begin when responding to a possible abduction call? Well, I spoke with retired Tucson Police Department Captain Richard Harper. With more than 30 years of experience in the department, Harper worked several missing children cases during his tenure. Harper did not work on the Isabel Salas case, but he did sit down with me to give me insight on how these investigations are handled. Well, you're going to want to talk to the reporting party first. And the thing is, is that that's the place where you begin. That may be the family, it might be somebody else. But you're going to start there and you're going to get as much information as you can about the incident. You know, the who, what, when, where, how, and why. Um, and then, you know, who try, if, if they know the person who was abducted, you know, when, how long ago did it happen? Did you see who did it? Uh, did they have a vehicle? Um, you know, and you get all of that information together. But the other thing you have to do is, is that you have to ramp up your response. So in other words, you got to get as many police officers and community service officers and volunteers there as quickly as you can. And sometimes you even, um, you might enlist the aid of the family, but typically they've already been looking. In a lot of cases, they've already been looking for 45 minutes before they call the police. What's the possibility Isabel was abducted from her room overnight with her family just sleeping in rooms a few feet away? According to an analysis by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, comparing data from January 2005 to December 2014, just 3% of attempted abductions occurred inside the child's residence. It's a lot more common for attempted abductions to take place on the streets or the immediate vicinity of the kids' homes. How did Sergio immediately know that this was an abduction? Is there any signs of a break-in? Here's a closer look at some of the known evidence collected at or near the Sellers' home. As one of Isabel's brothers mentioned to dispatchers, her bedroom window was found open with the screen taken off. Rebecca's brother Robert says the screen had a huge dent in it, as if someone had used a screwdriver or some type of tool and completely pried it because it was bent inwards. The window is two feet by four or five feet and opens from the bottom up. Investigators say the interior part of the window, a latent print, was detected and documented. The family says Isabel has the room all to herself, and underneath that window is where she keeps her stuffed animals and toys. Robert told investigators that the toys near the window were untouched. When crime scene investigators entered Isabel's room, they documented seeing a pillow on the twin bed, a footboard and black gaming chair. What's described as a visual sample was found on the pillow. Investigators used a forensic light source in Isa's room to check for any bodily fluids, but none was found. That includes semen in the bedroom and bedding but apparently blood is on the floor of the bedroom. Shoe impressions were found on the dirt just behind the Sellers' home, another sign that supports the abduction theory. Just south of the house is an alleyway. The shoe marks were seen on top of an electric box directly behind the house and then in the dirt on the alleyway. 
Tucson Police Department records show several cars were located on the family's property and searched. Inside the Chevy Silverado, officers say they collected a knife in the driver's map pocket, which is the pocket on the driver's side door, a plastic bag with two containers of instant coffee inside, another plastic bag with a beer can inside, a towel, white paper towels, and a pair of black gloves in the center console. In the hatchback of the red 1988 Acura was a white hat and a green vinyl shower curtain. It was decided to keep the shower curtain close to its original condition and to allow Crime Scene Lab to screen it for possible evidence. A luminol test, which locates potential blood evidence that's undetectable from the eye, according to an article in the National Library of Medicine, was conducted on a third car, a Toyota Corolla. A luminol reaction was documented on the driver's seat. It isn't physical evidence, but it is worth noting that Sergio and his family have three dogs, and they didn't bark during the night, and they usually bark at strangers. Rebecca's brother Mark separately told police that Jasmine, the Jack Russell, yaps at everything. Then Honey follows. Mark says Paco wouldn't have barked if he arrived at the Salas house because he was a regular visitor. The family was also taking care of Rebecca's cousin's dog, Baya, at the time of Isabel's disappearance. While the family says their dogs did not make a sound, the Salas next-door neighbor says she heard them and something else. Take a listen to what she told KOLD News 13 at the time. My dogs were going crazy. Their dogs were going nuts. And um, I remember briefly waking up and hearing male voices outside my bedroom window, but it was light outside. I didn't really think anything of it. And then I just went back to sleep. And then at 8 o'clock, I got a knock on the door saying that she was missing. Do you know if those were police that you were hearing? I don't think that they were police. I mean, I, I wasn't really paying attention. You know, I was really tired, but, but I, I don't think it was. The search for clues and evidence didn't stop at the Sellis home. Search crews and officers spread out across the area in hopes of finding signs of Isabel. Just a few blocks away, a bed sheet and a bed skirt were found in a wash. About a mile away at Highland Vista Park, one officer responded to a report of a child's sandals in the trash can near the pool. Inside the trash was also a carryout bag from a local barbecue restaurant. As we mentioned, Isabel was last seen wearing a blue t-shirt. A similar colored shirt was found lying in the center lane of a busy Tucson road about a mile from the home. The officer spotted the shirt being run over by traffic. When the officer collected it, the design on the front was not the old Navy American flag graphic Isabel was believed to have been wearing. This was a child-sized Star Wars shirt. Not far from where that shirt was found in a nearby alley, officers found a pair of sunglasses, a granola bar, and three shirts. Plus, just a few blocks from there, a small stuffed bear was found in the road. It's two inches long, white, and had purple polka dots. While it's unknown if any of this evidence is connected to the disappearance of Isabel, investigators were not taking any chances and collected all of it. Relatives say they don't think Isa would have left willingly. When children disappear in southern Arizona, there's a concern about their chances of them being crossed into Mexico. Tucson is only 60 miles or so from the border. In documents, Rebecca Sellis asked an officer if officials at the U.S.-Mexico border were contacted. The Puerto Nogales, which is the most direct way to get to Mexico, were sent a photo of Isabel 
to keep an eye out for her in any car or pedestrian crossings. At this point, hours into the investigation, the public did not know much about Isabel or her disappearance. KOLD did talk to a cousin about Isa, and here's what he had to say. She's your typical, you know, real sweet, uh, you know, six-year-old girl, six going on seven, um, you know, runs around and plays with her friends and everything, uh, kind of sticks to her own, doesn't really talk to strangers. We need her home safe, safe and sound, you know. We like to hope that she just went for a walk and is going to come back, you know, unharmed. Just all trying to figure out how, what went wrong, how it happened, and, and what we need to do to get her back. For days following her disappearance, the Salas family attended search groups, mass, and other events held in honor of their daughter. But it would be days before they made their first public statements, four days. When they did, under a white tent, the couple, both wearing white Bring Isa Home shirts, plea for her return. We're going to play parts of their statements throughout this series, but here's a clip of what they said. We are cooperating to the fullest extent with the investigation. We are increasing the reward. Just please, please, to the person or persons who have Isabel, tell us your demands. Tell us what you want. We will do anything for her. We are looking, we're looking for you, Isa. We love you and we miss you so much. And we will never give up. We will never give up looking for you. Was Isabel abducted? Did she leave on her own? Or did someone lead her outside of the home? If so, who and why? Next time on Disappeared in the Desert. Not only does a hit home get us in our community, but when it's somebody that you know personally, Officers, co-workers, and community members coming together to bring Issa home. What does the search process entail for a possible abduction like this one? We take an in-depth look at the wide net cast by investigators in hopes of finding Isabel. Is it enough? I understand their level of frustration. Um, the mere fact is, is that their daughter's not home yet. And we have that same level of frustration because we would like to bring Issa home. Plus, a call for help. 911, what is the emergency? <laughs> Disappeared in the Desert is a KOLD News 13 original podcast hosted by Shaylee Sanders and Bud Foster. Special thanks to our editor, Jesse Zoller, writer and executive producer, Colleen Menadier, digital content producer, Mia Courtright, and executive producer of Daily Content, Michael Cooper.